Bringing you the latest thinking and developments from the international B2B marketing space, this is BBN Mixtape. And mixing it up for us today is Ed Davis. Hello and welcome to BBN Mixtape. I'm your host, Ed Davis. Today we are joined by Andy Pinkowski, who leads the marketing automation team at Beta Rudder. Uh, Beta Rudder, by, by the way, is the lar- longest standing BBN partner in the United States. Uh, they're fantastic. Everybody I've ever met at Beta Rudder is fantastic, and I'm a huge fan of everything Beta Rudder, but that's a whole other show, and Andy doesn't want to hear any of that. Uh, Andy, it's great to have you on the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Um, I have to admit, as I was preparing for this episode, I had sort of this moment, um, and funnily enough, it made me think of the Arsenio Hall show where he used to have this segment, things that make me go, hmm. And what I hadn't appreciated until now is that there's a distinction between marketing automation platforms and funnel software. To, to, to level set, what are we talking about when we say marketing automation platforms? And what are we talking about when we say sales funnel software? Yeah. So I think that uh, people may be more familiar with one than the other. So starting with the more obvious one. Uh, marketing automation uh, platforms are going to basically be a piece of uh, software that helps a business automate a gamut of front-end and back-end marketing tactics. So when we're talking front-end tactics, that's going to you know most commonly be email deployments. Um, right. SMS marketing is another huge one. Push notifications can be another one. Um, and then even landing page, microsite design, web form design, stuff like that. Uh, when we're talking backend tactics, it's going to be things like lead scoring, lead routing, lifecycle management, and then also customer data management and segmentation is going to be a huge uh, portion of it. Um, I think then when we kind of like look at sales funnel software, that's going to be much more focused on those post-qualification activities. So after okay. a lead or prospect is going to be coming from the marketing side of the aisle over to sales. So, you know, the front end uh, experiences of that are going to be how the tool helps sales team nurtured qualified leads, not entirely dissimilar to how an MA tool may. We'll talk about those nuances in a bit. Um, and then on the back end, it's going to help with things like lead prioritization, uh, progress, opportunity progress tracking, and things like close loss analysis. But kind of like you alluded to, that divide between the two can be a bit blurry at times, and hopefully we can clarify that. But there would be some platforms that that actually span that. I, like HubSpot in my head is sort of like jumping to mind just from memory. I mean, it's been a year or two since I've you know, been in a HubSpot instance, but. Yeah, one, 100%. I, I think that HubSpot is a great example of one that does run the gamut. Um, and I think that is kind of something that is, you know, essential in deciding whether an organization does need both or not is what kind of tools they already have in place today. So right. if we're kind of talking about assessing a platform, uh, you know, so many B2B orgs have a CRM they likely have a marketing automation tool already. And then from there, it's kind of an assessment of whether or not uh, the platform itself can fill every gap um, or whether they do need another tool to kind of assist in closing that gap. And I think there's a lot of questions an organization can ask themselves to identify whether that gap exists or not. Right. And I was just going to ask, how's an organization going to evaluate that? 
So I think there's two kind of ways an organization can reflect um, whether they need both. And I think it comes down to reflecting um, an organization's marketing practices. And then that's going to lead you to whether you need to do a reflection of your marketing platforms as well. Um, so when we kind of start at that level of reflecting our practices, I think a marketing ops team, a sales ops team uh, should really be assessing how much they know about how their sales funnel is functioning on a quarterly basis, yearly basis. And there's so many common questions that you can just ask yourself to know whether you have those answers or not. So things like, do I understand the profile for my highest converting leads? And right. amongst those highest converting leads, do they have a shared segment attribute or is every kind of lead coming from a different type, type kind of buyer type? Um, similarly, like, do we know if most of our highest converting leads are coming from like one marketing channel or from multiple marketing channels? And if there is just a marketing channel that's accounting for the biggest bucket of our high converting leads, what's driving that stuff like that? And then that kind of brings you to pipeline velocity, do certain buyer types close more slowly than others, do certain buyer types close more quickly. And then again, through that, like how many sales activities does it typically take to close those successful ones versus those weak ones? And so if those are things you are not able to answer easily, that's going to kind of bring you to the point of whether you need to do more uh, closed loss, closed one analysis, and then from there assessing whether you have the tools to do so. And so, and I'm, I'm going to sort of jump around on you a little bit, and this is going to be a, a, a curveball question because, you know, th there's the pre bit and all that kind of stuff. And I, and I know, I definitely know what you want to talk about, but you know, one of the things that I typically see historically, and I'm sure you have as well, is <clears throat> there's a breakdown between mark between marketing and sales full stop. I think it becomes even more complicated in some organizations between marketing, marketing ops, sales and sales ops, and the breakdown in communication. So I suppose my question is, do you see that as well? Because I mean, that's part of the formulation in terms of, hey, yeah, we need a, we need a, we need a marketing automation platform, or we need to build out our tech stack to be supportive of this. I think one of the things that that probably organizations don't really consider in all of that is what is our organizational culture or the 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 dynamic relationship culture between the sales and marketing team do you get into that a absolutely i i feel like it's a tale as old as time that sure. marketing and sales do not like always like march to the beat of the same drum and uh, you know, I will talk a little bit about how I do think sales funnel software specifically can help certain organizations. But I do think another reason to really consider whether an additional piece of software beyond, you know, a marketing automation tool or a CRM that may already exist is needed is because a sales funnel software uh for better or for worse, is uh, going to enable the sales team to kind of execute more quickly on their own. And I do think we can talk about some definite benefits to that, but you really want to make sure you're implementing that sales funnel software in a way that is going to help bridge that divide to help ensure that lead qualification standards are not becoming like more of a gray area between what marketing is doing sure. and what sales is doing because sales has more tools on their side of the aisle. You really want to still make sure that whether it's your core marketing team or your marketing ops team, that um, any sales funnel software is still kind of 
reliant on qualification standards that is mutually understood across both departments. Right. And so what are the things a business should be looking for, whether it's a marketing automation? I mean, we sort of talked about the relationship part, which, which is fine. But from a technical standpoint, from a from an implementation standpoint, what should they be looking for in either one of those or if they're going to implement both? Yeah, so um, if whether it's, you know, a market, well, so with marketing automation tools and sales funnel optimization tools, like we kind of already talked about, it's a situation where all squares are rectangles, but not all rectangles are squares. So with respect to marketing <laughs> automation tools, like the, a lot of those, like we said, in combination with the CRM are going to be able to do a lot of similar things as a sales funnel optimization tool is on its own. Right. And if we want to talk about for marketing automation tools, what I kind of consider the big five. So that would be Eloqua, um, which is an Oracle tool, Marketo, which is Adobe, HubSpot, we've already mentioned, and then the two Salesforce tools, which would be Marketing Cloud and Pardot, uh, the last of which I think is slowly but surely kind of getting molded into Marketing Cloud. Um, those rely heavily on either CRM integrations or they have a lot of in a lot of native CRM capabilities like HubSpot. Right. And so I feel like the first step is just kind of assessing whether you have exhausted every avenue to optimize your sales and marketing um, team's efforts within those tools, because it is very easy to route leads efficiently across Marketo's um, CRM integrations. It is very easy to you know, build personalized nurture buckets that are coming on behalf of a sales individual from Marketo. And so um, if there are certain gaps beyond those that still exist, that may lead you to kind of a sales funnel solution. But I really feel like every organization needs to kind of exhaust what they have in their tech stack, especially because like, I feel like tech stack budgets continue to just balloon for a lot of organizations. Like I saw a number from Gartner um, like last week that, uh, what is it? It's, uh, I'm going to read it so I get it right. Um, on average, uh, MarTech budgets are equal to about 10% of an organization's total revenue. And that was up 3% over 2021. So I think it's fair to kind of like wonder whether some of that is like caused by um, pandemic uh, tech adoption that we saw a lot of in the last few years. But also just looking over the last 10 years, I've kind of worked in this space. I think about 10 years ago, every organization I was working with, we were just adding more and adding more. And, yep. adding. and the last five years has just been so much about like subtracting and realizing that these tools with bells and whistles have not always added, you know, everything we need. Um, and so like, I think you even look like at the market signals, like we look at how Salesforce is very visibly kind of shrinking its efforts and everything. And that's an indication that these, you know, B2B SaaS licenses are not something that they can just ceaselessly sell into every organization. So, um, reading some of that writing on the wall, I think it's an indication for businesses to really kind of make the most out of what they have instead of just really hopping into another three-year SaaS license with some new vendor. Well, I think, I think the, the, the interesting thing, and I think a lot of the interesting thing is, which I think is why that subtraction is happening is, and I, I can't remember who, who published it, but it was from 17, 18, somewhere around there. Somebody said something, somebody did a survey of like the fortune 500 companies around marketing technology and it was sort of revealed that, you know, it, it's something like 
less than 50% of the functionality of a certain platform is actually utilized. And then within your organization, it's something like a little less than 60% are, are actually using it the way that it's intended to be used on a regular basis. And so, yep. you know, you, when, when you're talking about multi-million dollar investments in terms of licenses and stuff like that, yeah, you're going to start asking some questions, you know, do I really need all of these things, you know, connected up? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. So are there, are there certain platforms that stand out better than, I mean, you gave a recap of, of all the ones, but you know, and, and look, we, we, we don't endorse here necessarily. And, and none of the ones that you talked about are, are take are, uh, are sponsors of BB and mixtape. Although we are happy to have that conversation, but, uh, who, who would you say stands out? Yeah, I, I appreciate the disclaimer, but I'm, I'm happy to share <laughs> some of my personal favorites. Cause like, I, I feel like my team and I spend a lot of time talking about our favorites because, you know, a lot of us spend our majority time in one, whereas other team members may spend less time in that. Um, I feel like I kind of have a good amount of exposure to both. And honestly, like if we're talking from a point of starting from scratch, I really do like HubSpot a lot. Um, I think it's a very good all-in-one package. Uh, It has a ton of MA capabilities. It has a ton of CRM capabilities. And Compared to some of the other tools where it's very much like we need you to be in for a 25k license a year at least, otherwise we can't help you. HubSpot has a much more flexible pricing structure that it's good for more mid-sized organizations who they know they're not getting enough out of their smaller email marketing tool, um, but they just don't know if they can justify and you know as high of a spend as some of the other enterprise levels. So I like HubSpot a lot for um, those reasons, but. Um, I love Marketo as well. And, you know, if you do have an existing CRM, uh, Marketo works well with a lot of them. And then uh, going kind of to the higher end of the spectrum, like the Salesforce tools, I personally spend most of uh, my weeks in Marketing Cloud these days. And I love Marketing Cloud because it is a beast and you can do a lot with it. Um, But it is really kind of most beneficial to organizations who have uh, very complicated product structures, you know, um, organizations with a lot of SKUs, a lot of configurations. And the other thing about Marketing Cloud is it you get the most mileage out of it if you uh, have a good competency with SQL databases. And so whether your organization kind of has that competency in-house or has a partner that can kind of make that successful and, like I said, offers the kind of, you know, product complexities to leverage it, um, it's probably not the perfect fit for a lot, but um, if you're a marketing automation geek, it's sure fun to work in. Sure. Well, I think, I think that's the thing too, right? I think you from, and this is just my perspective, HubSpot feels accessible, right? I mean, yeah. I, I, I've messed around, and you know, and let, let's be honest, a lot of marketing teams, you know, they're not, you know, 10, 20, 30 people with a marketing ops team and this and that and the other, it's, it's a couple, two or three people. And, you know, you've got an intern who, yeah, can you go handle the social media? And so, you know, that, that, that's what makes up the bulk of marketing departments and, and something like HubSpot is completely manageable, not just from a price standpoint, but also Mm -hmm. from an actual administrative standpoint. Um, which again, I'm not, I'm not degrading Marketo or Eloqua or anybody else. I just think that, 
you know, and they do have their targets and they do have, you know, where they fit in and, and they bring a massive benefit to an organization. In fact, you know, one of the questions I was going to ask is there, there's plenty of organizations that I think could use those platforms. And, and I've been shocked a couple of times in the last three or four months in particular where, you know, an opportunity for, for BBN or BBN partners come up and, and, and the, the conversation almost always goes like this. Oh yeah, we, we need to bring on an agency because we want to run a multi-regional or multi-country ABM program, blah, 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 blah. Okay, great. Start working through the questions and this and that and the other. And then on three very distinct instances, I start asking about technology you know, what's your marketing automation platform? You know, what, what is this? What is, oh, we don't have one of those. So my question to you is you can't really run an ABM program without a marketing automation platform or a sales funnel software. Right. I mean, it's just, there's, it's pointless. I would think. Man, ABM, that, that is a I know whole that's not other can of worms. No, I know, but I mean, <laughs> But, but just in terms of what it is that you do on a day-in, day-out basis, if somebody yeah. told you, look, we want to run an ABM, but you don't have any of the technology to be able to track any of the communications and whether they were effective and they got to where they were going, mm -hmm. what's the point? Yeah, I, you know, this sounds very familiar to a lot of conversations we have about ABM. Um, you know, I feel like through the last, I feel like even five years, ABM has been a little bit of a B2B buzzword and... Yeah. Uh, we also, what we experience a lot when we kind of have ABM as an opportunity brought to us by, um, you know, a current client or a potential partner is we really need to make sure we're speaking the same language when we're talking about account-based marketing. Because in my experience, when uh, I have done account-based marketing successfully, it really needs to be something that is cross-channel and like you're saying very much feeds from the marketing side well into the sales side with respect to how they are either targeting those accounts in parallel or targeting those accounts post-conversion and so yep. um what we often see with our clients is it kind of starts as an abm opportunity on social or they want to do linkedin i feel like is a common one where we talk about linkedin because there's so many there's such a wealth of you know ideally c-suite um, context there, but we then kind of like get aligned and saying like, you know, if you really want this to work and if you really want to get results out of this small audience that honestly is going to have a much longer sales cycle as well as, you know, your other targets, like this can't just be paid social. This can't just be, you know, a like fancy direct mail, although all those tactics are great. It needs to be omnipresent. They need to be seeing you when they close their eyes at night. And then yep. from there, we need to be able to measure every interaction and every dollar because ABM, when it's done well, is typically not the cheapest tactic. And you really want to be able to, like you're saying, have everything in place from an MA side, from a CRM funnel optimization side to know that when the big fish does come in, you can say it was that ABM ad that attributed to it. This was their conversion point, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And I think I'm starting to get to a place where, I mean, you're right a hundred percent on that, whether it's, it's just the marketing automation and, and the, and the sales and marketing relationship full stop, whether when you're running a campaign, any sort of marketing or, or, or lead gen campaign or whatever, but I'm starting to get more and more into the mindset of, yeah, it, it's not just that your sales and marketing teams have to be aligned. 
but your your relationship handlers they have to be aligned to what's going on in terms of your outreach and 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 what you're doing your executives you know that stuff has to be woven into you know speeches and and the investor mm-hmm. message and all that kind of stuff and i just don't think be, a lot of people you know maybe put enough time and effort into thinking through all of those threads um the other thing i was going to ask you is <clears throat> what's the one thing you would tell anybody whether they were implementing you know a, a funnel software instance or a marketing automation platform instance you know if you do nothing if you remember nothing else about this process or or what you're going to do with this remember this one thing because it's the thing that people tend to forget hmm good question i and you can't yeah, say listen like, to your agency support. That's that's a given. <laughs> I feel like it goes back to kind of a topic we've I've been trying to kind of hammer home through this conversation is like make sure you ask yourself, do I really need this? And that sure. you've exhausted every other opportunity. Um, you know, and with respect to kind of fail funnel software um options that I do feel like do have value, um, kind of just to talk about like where there are gaps I think are beneficial. Like SalesLoft is a common funnel optimization software I've worked with before. And a big thing that they offer that can kind of be more price effective than um, sometimes offerings uh, in CRMs, whether they're available or not, are call insight analyses. So um, recording calls kind of uh, using either AI or just other abilities to track what's being mentioned most commonly in calls that lead to a progression of an opportunity versus a close loss, stuff like that. And those are features that, yeah, I don't feel like a marketing automation tool is going to be able to help you there. Right. Um, And when those things do become helpful are when you have a large sales team that, you know, like I kind of said, a lot of sales funnel optimization software's benefits are they can be a little bit more turnkey than some of the CRM stuff, a little bit more easy to execute on their own. So I feel like just with my exposure to sales loft as an option, that is like a good capability there that, you know, if you feel like your team is doing such a high volume that the answer is like, no, we still just cannot with just our simple activity notes really recall and draw a through line to how these business development representatives conversations are resulting in good or bad outcomes, then the answer may be yes, but just, you know, really, really make sure you know the answers to that questions before like some slick SAS business (laughs) development representative, like helps you stumble into another five-year contract that you aren't going to be able to demonstrate ROI on after 12 months. Yeah. Well, that, that sort of brings up maybe my last question. Is there a, sort of a minimum, this might be a stupid question, actually. Is there a minimum number of leads somebody should be should be doing on a given month or quarterly basis to go, yeah, we need something to help us manage that? Because you because you know the other yeah. bit too, right? I mean, I, I've I've done I've walked into plenty of clients and said, right, where's your where's your sales database? Where's this? Where's that? And you know, next thing you know, somebody's pulling up an Excel spreadsheet or handing me a, a pile yeah. of business cards to sort through. Yeah, I'm I'm hesitant to say there's a single number. Um, and, I, you know, again, like with, with, it depends how much a lead is worth um, and what? like how it depends on what you're selling, uh, depending on what your average contract value is. But, I mean, you're definitely right where you need to be doing 
volume for yeah. it to justify a, like a sales funnel software. Like you, you should have like a sizable sales team with like nationwide territories, um, a team of sales managers that may need to be optimizing how they're performing. Like, and it's also going to depend the size of those territories as well. So I don't think there is a single right answer, but like if, you know, you have a five to 10 person sales team and you're getting like, you know, like a couple hundred good leads a month and that's what you need to hit your number, you probably don't need a sales funnel software tool. But like if you're a larger organization that like really needs to move a volume on leads to kind of hit um, your number, then yeah, it may be more worthwhile, especially if there's nuances from territory to territory on how those, uh, you know, teams need to kind of manage their uh, book of business more autonomously. Okay, cool. Anything else you want to, this has been hugely enlightening, Andy, and I'm, you know, I handle the, the business development and client relationship side of the things for, for BBN. I will absolutely be referencing this, this uh, podcast and, and dropping it into uh, a handful of emails and replies to, to people's inquiries for sure. No, I think, yeah, I think I said everything I had hoped to say. Yeah, this has been fun. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you for joining us. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in. If you find this episode and this podcast of value, please share it in social media, like us wherever you listen to the podcast, and we would love to get a five-star review. Uh, feel free to look up Andy Penkowski on LinkedIn. Um, and you know, if you get a chance, go to baderrudder.com, which is bader-rudder.com, B-A-D-E-R-R-U-T-T-E-R.com. Uh, they're part of the BBN partnership, and uh, we love them. Thanks, everybody. BBN Mixtape is a production of BBN. Subscribe from your favorite podcatcher for episode transcripts, links, and more. If you like this show, give us a nice five-star rating. It's how you can help more marketers find us. Thank you, and we will talk in the next episode.